Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. Everybody, welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. I've got a very interesting and exciting guest on today, J.R. Piper. J.R., how's it going today? Great, man. Thanks for having me. And you're joining us out of Arizona, right? Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona. Land of, uh, what, is, what would the number one, what is that? The capital of real estate investing pretty much, right? It's insane here. Yeah, it's the market's just off the charts. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've had a lot of people on my show over the years and I feel like, you know, there's 50, 50 states and 10% of the people that come on my show are out of the Phoenix market. So you've got a lot of, a lot of heavy hitters there, a lot of competition, which I know is something that, you know, everyone is like, how, how do I get great deals in this market? Um, so but before we get into that, um, can you give our, our guests kind of just a little bit of background about yourself, like what you were doing before you came in, became an agent, be, before you became an investor, and then like what triggered you to kind of think about getting into real estate in general? Sure. So I, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I uh, you know came from very humble uh, beginnings, didn't come from money, didn't have much as a kid. Uh, I, I knew kind of at a young age that I, I wanted to do something you know, entrepreneurial. I wasn't really sure what that looked like. I, I did not finish college. I did maybe a semester or two and I just, it just wasn't for me. And, uh, and I, I think I knew that I, 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 my journey wasn't going to involve getting a degree and going and working for someone else. I think ultimately I knew that I wanted to work for myself one day. So, uh, at 22, I started a, a pool cleaning company and it was just like me and a truck and, uh, you know, some pool chemicals. And I was, I, I built a, a nice little business and uh, over a couple of years, and I ended up selling that company when I was like 23 or 24 and made a little bit of money, nothing crazy. But at the time it was like a lot of money for me. Uh, I went then and I actually tried the corporate job thing. And I, I worked at a, a company, a big company for three or four years, which I enjoyed. But, uh, while I was doing that, I started working for a couple uh, you know, longtime friends who were in real estate and they were basically buying and wholesaling and, and, and renting, you know, properties out of the trustee sale. They were buying several properties a day. And I, I was doing basically the grunt work for them. I was sort of managing and overseeing remodels and property management and just kind of not making a lot of money, but, but I learning a lot in the, in the process. And I really enjoyed getting involved in real estate. And so I saw that that was a, you know, that path had potential. So I went to school and I got my real estate license and I began working for those guys more frequently as their realtor at that point and brokering deals for them. And, uh, and from there, it's just, it's just grown, um, you know, over the years, that was in 2011 that I started getting involved in real estate and I've been involved in real estate full time since 2012. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned kind of in passing is just I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was learning a lot. And I think that's one thing that like, you know, people are willing to go to college. They're willing to get degrees. They're willing to spend a lot of time in school. Um, but a lot of times they're not willing to do that in their professional life. 
So tell me a little bit about that. Like, you know, how were you getting compensated and why were you do, why were you willing to do it without making a bunch of money? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's ironic. Uh, it's a great question. It's ironic because like, I would say at the time I didn't realize the value in it, but now in hindsight, I see, I mean, I've spent huge amounts of money since then on masterminds and coaches and, and, you know, education to, to advance and accelerate my path in real estate and in business. And, and so now I I don't think of it as spending money. I think of it as investing money because there's, there's a massive return on the knowledge that I gain by spending that money and being involved in those groups. But at the time I didn't look at it that way. I, I just thought, this was, I was getting my foot in the door and I was, I kind of enjoyed what I was doing. I got to make a little bit of money, but I I made very little. Right. And, and what I tell people is, you know, if I could do it all over again, knowing what I know now, like I do it for free because I learned, I learned so much in a year working for those guys, you know, and uh, made a lot of mistakes on someone else's dime, you know, renovating properties with like contractors off a Craigslist and not knowing what I was doing. And I learned so much that it, it probably, if I had gotten into real estate on my own and tried to learn on my, you know, on my own, uh, what I learned working for these guys in a year, it would have taken me 10 years to figure it all out, you Mm -hmm. know? So, uh, I I often tell people that tell me they want to get involved in real estate. You know, you don't have to be the hotshot day one. Everybody wants to be the guy and, and, and be a millionaire Mm -hmm. and be, you know, running a, a giant team and making millions of dollars. But the reality is you got to start somewhere and you got to, you know, crawl before you walk. And so mm-hmm. sometimes it is wise to just go work for someone else, not worry about the money. The money will come, go work for someone else, learn the business, and then you can, you know, branch out on your own when you're ready. Now, were you working for them specifically because they were friends or because you saw what they were doing and you were like, I want to learn this. I want to get involved in this business. So I, I think, I mean, it, it, I would say yes and no. I, I was presented the opportunity because I had a personal relationship with them, but you know, I'll be very clear. They weren't doing me any favors. I was involved with them because yeah. of the value that I brought. They approached me because I was intelligent and trustworthy and they, they knew that I had some drive and that I was, you know, response to, to do what they needed done. And so, you know, I didn't, I was in the right place at the right time. I just happened to be in the car with them while they were discussing this opportunity that they were going to give someone. And they kind of both looked at me and went, do you want to do this? And I said, sure. You know, I was working full time at another job, but I started doing this in my free time and really fell in love with it. So the opportunity was created because of, you know, knowing the guys and having a personal relationship, but ultimately I was, I was doing what I was doing with them because of the value that I brought, you know? And, uh, and so that's another thing that is noteworthy about going and working for someone. You know, I get a lot of requests to, uh, you know, pick my brain about real estate or I'm sure you too, like people will hit you up and say, Hey, let me take you to lunch and pick your brain and this and that. And it's, you know, I never want to be rude, but I'm like, man, I'm super busy and I don't have time to just like sit with you and give free advice. If I was doing that to every person that asked, I'd just be like, you know, giving away free advice and, and, and for lack of a better word, wasting a lot of time when I could be doing other things to grow my business. So I always think it's important to, to mention that if you want to 
get involved with someone who's playing at a high level, figure out how to add value to them exactly. and their business. Yep. And then they'll welcome you into that circle and it's mutually beneficial. Yeah. And I think, I think the thing, you know, that people don't realize until, you know, they, they get into that point is like, once you figure stuff out, you start making a lot of money and every hour that you're working, you're, you're moving your business forward. You're moving the needle forward a lot. So when, when someone comes up to you and they're like, Hey, can I just grab like two hours out of your day? Like as a human, you really want to do it. Like you literally want to do it, but like you've got, you've got, you know, most people have families or they have, you know, significant others or whatever. And you're already, if you're successful, you're already working a lot. So it's not like, Oh man, like I've got all these additional other hours. Like for me, you know, I'm probably working probably 60 hours a week. I have four kids. I'm married. So like to cut in another hour here and there, it's like tough. But like you said, on the flip side of it, it's like, okay, if someone can figure out a way to provide value, now it's a win-win. Now someone's helping you achieve your goals that you're working so hard to do uh, because you have to look at it like this. And I look at it the same way for people that are steps above me. It's like, I need to invest probably four hours in them to get one hour back because that's really kind of what the trade kind of looks like. So you got in with your friends. Um, they gave you, you know, a, a kind of a jump start. And you had mentioned because you know the audience is is mainly real estate agents. You got your real estate license. What sparked you to do that? Like, why? You know, a lot of investors say like, oh, I don't know if I should get my my license. Why did you get it? So I, like I said, I I started working with these guys doing property renovations and and assisting with property management on their rentals and. I just was fascinated by it. I, I loved the process of converting, you know, transforming a space from an ugly house that was, you know, torn apart and tattered that they bought a trustee sale into something that was livable and nice that a family was going to move into and create memories. Um, I enjoyed, I, you know, I spent a lot of time with these guys while they were analyzing deals and negotiating and, 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 and doing deals. And I just, the whole process to me was just very, it was very fascinating and it was exhilarating and it was fun. And, and I was very excited about the potential and of the opportunity and where it could go. And, uh, and so I, you know, for me, it was just that then I know it's like a little bit backwards. A lot of people get their license first. Um, but I, for me, it was the next natural step was, well, I want to get more involved in this. How do I do that? And so again, thinking from a perspective of how do I add more value to these guys' lives? Yeah. Well, they were selling properties and they were paying realtors to, to list properties for them. So I'm thinking, well, I'm already in the door with these guys and they trust me and they see how good of a worker I am. I might as well get my license and be that guy. So I got my license and I started you know, being their exclusive agent and brokering deals for them. And at the same time, I branched out and started doing traditional sales with, you know, just regular buyers and sellers and uh, through friends and family and some marketing stuff here and there and growing the, you know, the realtor side of my business as well. Yeah. So again, you know, I think one thing that a lot of agents overlook is the value add that you can bring to investors. So you've got, and again, two friends, right? Two friends that you're kind of working with. So yep. what, what value did you bring to them as an agent right out of the gate? And then what value did you continue to add, like, as you got better as an agent? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, one thing which I don't think can be taught is just, uh, you know, a 
ferocious amount of drive, right? I just, I'm always, I've always been a hustler. I, I, I like to work. I like to push and I don't mind long days. You know, if I enjoy what I'm doing, it doesn't even feel like work. And I, I was loving what I was doing. So, uh, I, you know, I work, I work my ass off. Right. And they knew that they saw that, but also, uh, you know, I was, intelligent. I, I, I learned things quickly. I, I was a good negotiator. I'm, I'm, I'm a good speaker. So I had a, I, it was an easy transition for me to start negotiating with other agents and representing them and trying to get them good deals and get them more money on properties they're selling and, and those types of things. So they, that's the value that I brought, um, you know, aside from just the, 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 the dynamic we have, we worked well together and they already knew that, you know? Awesome. So you, you started listing their homes and I'm sure you probably worked out a pretty good deal for them there. Yep. Um, and then you started doing retail stuff. Were you trying to do retail transactions? Did they just kind of fall into your lap? Were you working with investors? Like how did that, how did that go? So I would say I always was sort of fixated on investment real estate because I just enjoyed it more than the traditional side of things. Um, I, I was dead set on growing my revenue and my income and, you know, creating a, a future. So I was willing to do whatever it took to make money, obviously, but I, I always recognize that investors in the sale or the purchase of a home are extremely pragmatic. It's, they don't get emotionally tied up in the property itself. It's just about the numbers and their, you know, what are they netting and what makes the most sense. And there's not like an emotional tie to it. Whereas listing a home with a seller or, you know, representing a buyer on a transaction, they tend to be far more emotional about the whole process, which can create some challenges along the way. So um, I just, I loved working with, with investors, but I worked with a lot of buyers and sellers. I would say early on, you know, I was, I was just posting on social media. Hey, I got my real estate license and I'm, I'm, you know, happy to help you with the real estate needs. If you're looking to buy or sell a house, um, social media is a great tool for free marketing. If you've got a large network of people, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's free marketing, you know, and I, to this day, I, I don't flood social media with business stuff. Cause I don't think everybody wants to just see that constantly, but you know, the, a general rule of thumb when you're building a business or a career, you know, in real estate or anything else is that the more people who know you, like you, trust you and are aware of what you do for a living, uh, you know, the, the more your business will grow, the more business you will ultimately do. And so I, I was just utilizing social media as a tool to like remind people on a, you know, casually on a regular basis. Hey, I just closed the deal. Hey, I'm helping this buyer. Hey, I'm, I got made this investor an extra 20 grand on this property. Um, happy to help you if you're looking for some help with real estate. And so by doing that, I created a lot of, you know, just organic leads from my sphere of influence, my, my, you know, friends and family and people who knew somebody who needed to sell a house and got a lot of listings and buyer leads that way. And, uh, and it just kind of grew from there. Now you were selling, were these flip properties from the, the two people you were working with? Were they rentals? Like, how were you using your license in the investing capacity? Both. So, so they were, you know, they were flipping houses and they were also buying rentals. And so I was representing them, you know, this is back in 2012, 13, when like, you know, there was hundreds of foreclosures going auction a day after the, the 08 crash. So you had, 
I mean, it was just sort of a free for all back then mm -hmm. and trustee sale. And then once trustee sale sort of started to dry up, these guys moved heavily onto the MLS and I was, I was brokering a ton of deals for them uh, that they were buying to hold as rentals just right off MLS REO properties and short sales and things like that. Yeah. And, um, and, and in the process, creating a lot of relationships with other agents and banks and, and, and these types of things. And, um, and then again, just helping traditional buyers and sellers sell and buy real estate as well. And were you, were you focused or did you work on any like secondary transaction stuff off of the flip properties? Were you working open houses to get buyers or things like that? I didn't do, I didn't do a, I did some open houses. I didn't do a ton of open houses. Uh, I, I tended to stay pretty busy with other, other business that I had going on. And, and once I started to make a little bit of money, I did experiment early on with some marketing where like, if I listed a property in an area, I would send out postcards, just farm the area and send out postcards, you know, within a two, two or three mile radius, um, to anyone that had owned their house over, you know, five years. And, and I would get listings that way because they would see that I'm already, you know, an agent that's doing a deal in the area. And so I would, you know, get appointments and then follow up on those and, 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 and close uh, listing agreements and get buyers that way too. So were you ever like aggressively, I know you said that you were mainly interested in the investing side. Were you ever actively pushing, you know, getting referrals, getting like SOI business, like getting retail business at all, or was it almost completely passively and leveraged off the investment stuff? No, I, I did a ton of, like I said, I, I would post on social media and like advertise myself and my services. And so I was getting, or, you know, sphere of influence leads just through my network. And I, I did that regularly. And like one thing that I did that was huge for me was, um, I started, so I had, I would go to like friends who had an office of people who are making good money like that. Like I had one friend in particular who was a manager in an office who, you know, the, he was, his team was, they were there like, uh, like headhunters, right? Yep. And so they had this, this big office of people and it was a young demographic in the office. Yep. And it was a lot of people who were just starting to make money for the first time. They were making, you know, two, 300 grand a year, like really good, you know, amount of money. For so let, let me guess, you figured out a way for them to spend it? I sold a house to every person in that office, man. I, so I became like the go-to guy yeah. for real estate in that office. So like, that's a great tip for anyone who's, you know, trying to grow their, their lead flow. Like if you can get your foot in the door in a corporate office setting where you can just become like you, all you have to do is close a deal with one or two people, create really strong relationships in that office. And if it's an up and coming like environment where a lot of people are just starting to make money for the first time, a lot of them are going to buy houses, you know? Yep. And so a lot of them were just starting families, just starting to buy houses. And I sold a house to probably 90% of the people. I mean, 80% of the people in that office um, did a ton of deals with, you know, no marketing cost. It was just networking and relationships, which is, you know, crucial in real estate and any business really is just having a good reputation, doing good business and having quality relationships with people. Yeah. And I'm sure there, there's plenty of different workplaces like that. And I, I know the exact workforce you're talking about because uh, we hired somebody out of that. And it's just like, you know, headhunting people on the phone all day long, you know, and uh, probably a lot of like people that have sim some similar characteristics. So they're probably all talking to each other and you're the realtor. So it's like, I mean, that's just an easy, easy retail setup for you. So you were doing the retail stuff to make some money. You were 
working with your friends still, you know, doing a lot for them. Now, at what point did you say, okay, like all this investing stuff is really cool. Let me start doing some of this. Yeah. So uh, I love that. I, when I started in real estate, like I said, those guys were buying, I mean, just a ton of houses at trustee sale. And back then in Phoenix, you know, you were getting houses for 20, 30, 40 grand a pop mm-hmm. in 2011, 12. Uh, I, you know, I started in real estate. I really didn't have anything. I didn't have any money. I didn't have anything to invest. And so, you know, as I started to grow my real estate business and and make commission income and, and, you know, and, and one thing I'll say is just from day one, I've always had this mindset of living frugally. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I've always, you know, there's a couple great books, rich dad, poor dad, mm-hmm. richest man in Babylon, Millionaire Fast Lane, to name a few. Those are all books I read early on in my real estate career that like really helped to shift my mindset about financial education, how I view money, how I view investing. And so I was always willing to sort of sacrifice my short-term quality of life for incredible long-term quality of life, you know, and and focus on the bigger picture. So uh, I saw these guys building rental portfolios that generated huge amounts of passive income you know, and the more properties they added to their portfolio, the more houses they would rent, the more passive income they would generate. And to me, that was just like incredible. This idea that, wow, you could literally hustle for five or 10 years and, and, you know, in in a decade be traveling or just like at your kid's soccer game or like, you know, sitting on your couch and like just have money coming in every month, like clockwork. And so I, from day one, I wanted to own rental properties and build a portfolio and and generate passive income. And so uh, my first investment was in 2013. And it was as I started to make a little bit of money in real estate and save those commissions and continue to live below my means. Right. Because what a lot of people do is the minute they start making money, they go out and they buy a Rolex and they buy a BMW and they, you know, the income is here and their lifestyle is here. And the income goes to here and they enhance their lifestyle to here. And then they never are able to get ahead. So I, I was very clear from day one that I wanted to live below my means so that I could continue to save money with the intention of investing it and creating wealth for myself and, uh, and live an epic life. So I bought my first rental property in 2013. Uh, it was a house in, in uh, where an area we call Maryville in Phoenix. I bought it for $53,500. I got a hard money loan. I think I had 10 or 12 grand to put down and like 10 or 12 grand to invest into the remodel. And that's all I had to my name at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the day that I bought the property and I bought it off of my, my buddy that was, you know, that I was working for. And the day that I signed the paperwork to buy that property, I, I knew that I was going to spend pretty much every cent that I had in the bank on the acquisition and the remodel to get this property rent ready. And I said, as I signed the papers, I said, well, I'm broke now. And he looked at me and he, without hesitation. He said, actually, you're richer than you've ever been. <laughs> and I just, I thought that was such a powerful moment for me because I, it, I realized the difference of perspective between spending money and investing money. And here I was thinking, I'm giving up all my liquidity, all my cash is yep. gone. But the reality is I just purchased an asset that's going to create revenue and in passive income, and it's worth more than what I paid for it. So even though I'm giving up my cash on paper, my net worth just went up. And that's a very powerful thing, yeah, you know, well, an introduction I mean, into investing. Where, where uh, you know, cash is going nowadays. I don't, I don't even know if you want cash anymore. 
I mean, right. the way they're printing money, I mean, who knows? I mean, you have to have, you have to have assets because right now with, with the way the federal reserve is printing money and all that stuff, it's like, everything's going to go up in value. I mean, yep. it, maybe not value, but price in, in nominal terms, rents are going to go up, property values are going to go up and, um, you know, nobody knows the future, but, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, well, when is the market going to crash? And, you know, like for me, it's like, well, we could have a really bad economy, but the numbers might not go down. That's, that's the thing that I think that a lot of people aren't thinking about. Everyone thinks about a crash in terms of like numbers going down, like, hey, a house was worth 300,000 and now it's worth like 200. Like what we saw, like you got into the, to the industry around when I did. Um, I, I got in a little earlier, but at the end of the day, we were both in it when it was at the very bottom and things were a lot, a lot different then. And people are waiting for it to go back to that point. Yeah. And it's like, well, things have changed. Like the, 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 like what, what is going to cause like the next recession? What's going to, you know, cause all this stuff. It may not go down in nominal terms. Um, people might not be able to afford houses as much as, as they did, but nominal terms, it might, it might still be up high. Um, so you bought your first rental, you, um, when, where did you go from there? Like, were you looking to just build more passive income? Like since that was 2013, you said that was 2013. And yeah, the vision from day one was like, I want to own as much real estate as I can. And I, and part of that is just because I, I started with, you know, watching these guys buy a bunch of rentals and, you know, they were, their portfolios were generating 20 and $30,000 a month. And they were, they were not involved in the property management. Like they were detached from it. So, you know, they were working, but I, I was very, it was clear to me, like these guys could just go on vacation for six yeah. months and they, their net worth would, and their income would just continue to roll in and increase. And that was phenomenal to me. So that's, that's, that was my vision was I want to own as much real estate as I can. The other part of it is if you look at any wealth, like in all the wealthiest people that I know, all the richest guys I know, they all invest in real estate. Real estate creates more millionaires than any other industry. Um, and you know, a lot of people get rich in the tech industry, but even if you look at like tech guys and, and other entrepreneurs who didn't necessarily create their wealth from real estate, they all invest in real estate Everybody Oh yeah, who has generational wealth invest in real estate. And so it's, to me, it's like crazy when I see realtors who are working in the space on a daily basis involved in real estate, have all the knowledge, all the tools right at their fingertips and don't, and never buy property and never invest in, 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 in rentals or do flips or invest, you know, investment in real estate of any kind. Um, so I, I started out wanting to build a, a massive rental portfolio, but I also, you know, building a portfolio takes money, mm -hmm. right? And yep. time. And yep. so there's got to be a transactional business that takes place in order to create the income and the cash yep. that's needed to invest in these assets. So I, I also, I mean, just being around these guys, seeing how they analyze deals and, and, and did things. I also started to, like I did my first fix and flip in 2014. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would do like a wholesale deal here and there where I would like, I would find a deal and I would partner with them and they would sell it or I would, you know, we would work together on it. And, uh, and it was, and I did that for a few years in addition to my traditional business that I was continuing to grow and, and, and create income from. And it wasn't until I think about 2016 that I made a transition into real estate as an investor full time. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and really, I mean, I still have an active license today and I represent myself in any transaction that I'm doing that's on the retail market. But, um, but I, I, I stopped representing regular buyers and sellers in about 2016 and started just investing in real estate full-time myself, um, wholesaling properties, fix and flipping houses, and uh, continuing to invest in buy and hold assets and, and build my rental portfolio. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're talking about Robert Kiyosaki, you know, you're moving your way through the cash flow quadrant, right? And I think that's yep. kind of what, you know, it doesn't have to be a goal of everybody, but I think as you move through those quadrants, your life gets better, right? You know, you, you go from the E quadrant, you're an employee, you're working for somebody else. Um, it's fine. You're getting guaranteed money, you know, every, every single week, but you're probably not loving your job. You're, you know, a slave to your desk, all that type of stuff. Then you say, oh, wow, like, let me take a leap. Let me become self-employed. Let me become a real estate agent. I have uncapped income. I've got all the benefits of that. But you're still, instead of being, you know, a slave to your employer, now you're a slave to your client. And you're working, you're, you're doing everything that you can. And, you know, when your client wants to see a house, you're either going or somebody else's. Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincamerancoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. So we did that for a while. And I think the other thing, you know, there's so many components, I think, to getting, you know, moving through those quadrants. But the ones that you'd mentioned are like the common themes for everybody that I talk to. Uh, reading and continuous education. So you talked about like getting mentorship from people. You talked about paying to get into programs. You talked about reading, you're quoting books, you're quoting best practices. Um, you talked about sacrifice and the fact that you live below your means, right? You, you've got to sacrifice in order to move forward. And then the other thing that you talked about besides hard work is just like, earning as much active income as you can while you're kind of making that shift. So like, I've never seen anybody go from like, Hey, I'm an employee one day to all of a sudden, like I'm all investing the next day. It's kind of like a, you know, a, it, it takes everybody different lengths of time to kind of move through those quadrants, but like almost everybody starts out. Like you said, you started out without a bunch of money, neither did I like, let's assume because 99% of people are not in that bucket. You're going from the employee to self-employed, and then you're like saving and sacrificing. You're doing everything you can. You're working a million hours a week. And then all of a sudden you start to build up that passive income. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, instead of me having to make $100,000, $125,000 a year actively, I can make far less, or I've got enough passive income coming in. So what are you focused on today? Yeah. Um, so right now, I mean, I have a, uh, I basically have like three or four different channels of my business, so to speak. I have a, uh, I have my rental portfolio, obviously, which I've continued to build over the years. And it's always been kind of like at the forefront of my priority list. Uh, I try and own as much real estate as I can. If it makes sense, the numbers have to be good. I have to have equity in the property and it has to cash flow, you know, uh, generously. I can't, I don't want anything that has no equity um, where I'm just paying retail. I uh, see a lot of people make that mistake when they want to start investing in, in rental properties. They just go out and buy retail deals. It's like, you know, you have no equity and there's very little cash flow on those, if any. And so to me, that's just like a bunch of headaches that there's no payoff at the end of that. So I, I, I continue to invest in, in assets. I own uh, a portfolio of single family homes. 
some condos, you know, houses, condos, townhomes. I have some smaller multifamily assets and I've got some commercial property as well. Uh, and then I have a, a wholesaling business, which is, is essentially, you know, just buying and selling real estate without actually representing anyone as an agent. And, uh, and I, I probably do 50 to 60 transactions a year as a wholesale, um, real estate investor. And then I have a fix and flip company where I, you know, I'll, I'll buy stuff and either do a full remodel on it, or I'll just, you know, close on it with my capital and, and, you know, carpet and paint, or just, you know, list it. If it's a, a good discount property and it's in good shape, sometimes I just resell it as is. And, and I, I do quite a few of those as well. I don't do a lot of big rehabs anymore because I really don't like managing the construction. Uh, it was a lot of fun in the beginning, but now it's just, it's a, it's a lot of brain damage managing, you know, contractors and remodels. And I'm, I'm very intentional with my time. So I look at everything from a perspective of maximizing not only the the money or the revenue that I generate on a deal, but the biggest return, not just on the investment itself, but on my time and energy. Mm -hmm. I look at that maybe more than I look at the investment uh, return, right? So for example, if I can fix and flip a property and make $40,000, but it's going to take me three months and like a hundred hours or more, you know what I mean? Of my time, or I can wholesale a property and make 20. I'm wholesaling it every time and not thinking twice about it because the wholesale deal takes me a day or a couple of days. The, the fix and flip is going to take months and a lot of capital and more risk and more time and more headaches. And so I'm all about minimal output, maximum outcome. I want to do less and, and continue to make more because even though I'm making less money, less dollars on that one deal, I have more time to go out and recreate more deals just like it. And mm-hmm. so with that kind of leverage, if I can do more deals, even if I'm making less per deal, I can ultimately make more on the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one thing, you know, that a lot of agents struggle with, and I struggle with too, because I didn't have a construction background. And I know you didn't either to start, but you kind of at some point got it, but you know, you don't have to renovate these properties. I mean, you're doing mainly wholesale deals. You're doing 50 wholesale deals a year. Um, you know, doing the quick math, I mean, 50 wholesale deals, 20 K per deal. That's a million bucks right there. Um, and then you're doing the renos. I'm assuming you're just cherry picking like the ones that you like, maybe they're lighter renos or they're like bigger profit margins or they're an area that you're familiar with. Like, how do you choose which ones you're going to renovate? So the ones that I'm, I'm actually rehabbing are properties that I either can't wholesale and, mm-hmm. and it, and, and maybe the condition just doesn't make sense for like a wholesale deal, which is what I, you know, I'm, I don't know if people are familiar with that term, but it's a combination of a wholesale deal and a retail transaction where I'm basically just buying it and then selling it on the MLS, right? Kind of like at a discount, but just quick flip. I'm not doing anything to the property. Um, So I'll rehab anything that I can't wholesale that, you know, is just going to do much better on the MLS as a a remodeled finished product. Um, I'll rehab anything that I can make three times the net what I would have made on the wholesale deal. I'll go ahead and take it down and rehab it. Um, and then occasionally there's something 
if there's something that I, I just really want to get my hands into, cause I do still love the design and aspect of, of real estate and, and, you know, recreating a space, transforming it into something beautiful. You know, I love like rehabbing a historic home or, uh, you know, certain properties. I just think this one's going to be fun and I'll, I'll go ahead and take it on as a, as a project. Yeah. Um, but, but to be honest, I try and avoid doing a lot of big remodels because like I said, my time is just so valuable at this point And I, I, I spend so much time and and money and aggravation on a big remodel compared to just doing a quick flip wholesale deal or just wholesaling it out and making, you know, half of what I would have made on the flip in a day. And I don't have to do any of the headache, but, um, I mean, early on that was, that transition was, was, uh, into from, from making real estate commissions into wholesaling and flipping properties that the money was very different. I, I went from making about two or 300 grand a year as a licensed realtor, you know, with that as my primary source of income um, to, to around a million a year as a, you know, an investor through wholesale and fix and flip income. And that doesn't include my rental income, which is passive. And, yep. and, you know, and, and my rental properties, I don't touch that money. You know uh, that's mm-hmm. another thing I'll, I'll point out. Like I, I have, multiple entities that hold my my rental properties and from day one i just pretended that money didn't belong to me it belongs to that entity and i don't touch it and as those accounts grow what i do is i i reinvest the money i either as the account grows and has a nice you know amount of cash in it i'll either use that capital to go out and buy another rental property or i'll use it on remodels or or whatever um but you know my vision is that eventually I'll have enough passive income where the passive income being generated from my rental properties will exceed, will meet or exceed my active income from flipping properties. And at that point, you don't really need to flip properties anymore. Yep. You know, that those rental properties and those entities will become self-sustaining and self-sufficient where, you know, like for, for example, right now, um, I I'm, I'm generating about 20,000 a month passively through my rental portfolio. And my goal is to get to hundred K a month. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, with half that I can do whatever I want, but hundred yeah. K to me is like, I, I can do whatever I want in <laughs> my life. I can work when I want to work because I know I'll get bored if I just retire young, but like I want to be able to travel, spend time with family, work when I feel like it, relax on the beach and still have the money rolling in. And so at some point, you know, if I'm making a million dollars a year actively and a lot of that money I'm funneling into the past, into the rental portfolios mm-hmm. to continue to grow the passive income, eventually that passive income will, will match the the active income. Yeah. And then I can just buy properties with this money. I don't need to be doing all this work over here. Well, you know? yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like just the, the way that money works in general, it's like, you know, you can, you can hustle, you can run, you can, you can do everything that you want, but over the course of time, like you mentioned that passive income is going to exceed it. And then you're not going to, I don't care how good you are, unless you're, you know, you know, the top of, you know, 0.0001% in your, you know, selling a big company or something like that. But for most of us, most of us ordinary humans, you can't keep pace with, with compounding, the compounding nature of that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I love it. I mean, I think it's a great plan. I mean, you've come really full circle from just like doing it part-time to, you know, doing it through the agent, uh, agent plus investing now, you know, full on to investing and um, it's exciting. Um, so what would you say, <clears throat> What would you say to an agent that, you know, does well, 
um, you know, makes good money and hasn't invested yet? Like what advice would you give them? Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. Like I I would say for some people investing in real estate just, just isn't for them. Right. But I I would, I would honestly say that's probably the minority. A lot of people, I mean, I'm sure you get it too. Everybody that I know is like, I want to buy rental properties. I want to flip a house. Like, how do I get into real estate? Everybody, I get those questions daily, Yeah, you know? And so my, my, uh, you know, my inclination is that most agents who aren't investing in real estate would love to. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, there's something holding them back, right? Whether it's capital restraints or the fear of, you know, losing money on a deal or just the lack of knowledge, because it is a different space. It's the same space as far as real estate is concerned, but it's a different space to be an investor, right? And so, I, you know, my first piece of advice would be to like, you know, we talked about earlier, like live below your means, right? Save money with the very intentional uh, purpose of investing that money. And, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, I know a lot of people, the minute they start making money, they go out, they buy a Rolex, they buy a Cadillac, they're, you know, suddenly they're, they're buried in debt and like expensive, you know, material things that, um, you know, make them look really successful. Yep. But ultimately, you have to keep doing the same number of deals and, and, and trading your time for money and, and, and performing at that level to continue to make the kind of income that you're making. Whereas investing in income or investing in, in assets that produce passive income can actually buy back some of your time, create freedom for you and, and not force you to have to work so much. So like me, I just, I would, I would rather be rich than look rich. Right. I don't care about the fancy cars and things. I would rather uh, for years, uh, you know, early on when I started making money, I would go out and look at houses and, you know, to buy as a primary residence. And every time I would just run the numbers in my head, I would go, because at the time I was renting a really modest two bedroom, one bath house for 800 bucks a month. And it was like, I couldn't get a mortgage that cheap. Like everything I looked at was going to cost more. Mm-hmm. And I would run the numbers in my head and I would go, well, I'd really love to own this house, but it's going to double my monthly nut. And I've got, you know, now I've got all these other expenses. And every time I just said, you know what? I'm going to just buy another rental property. <laughs> I did it over and over again. People always say, come to my house to go with the money you make. Why do you live here? Like you could go buy any house. And I'm like, because I, I just keep having opportunities to buy more passive income producing properties. And to me, that was more important than enhancing my lifestyle at the time. And of course there's a, you know, there's a point where you, you get past that and you start to enjoy, you know, the fruits of your labor. But my first piece of advice for anyone wanting to get into real estate investing is live below your means stack as much cash as you can be super frugal and intentional with your capital and your time, and then slowly begin to invest in, in, in assets. And as an agent, I think agents have a really um, unique opportunity there. You know, agents who take listing appointments are sitting in front of motivated sellers all the time in yep. listing appointments and through their network, they're getting referred people who want to sell their house. So, you know, for me, and this is part of how I started getting deals early on in my career was like, I would go and, you know, we talk about a fiduciary responsibility to the client. And and, and so like a lot of agents think that means you got to make them the most money possible, but I got news for you. People ask me all the time, why would anyone sell you their house for oh. pennies on the dollar? And the reality is for some people, it's not just about the money. Yep. 
Some people value the convenience of just having a quick cash transaction with no, as is, no repairs, and I want it gone in a week, and I don't want to deal with any showings or like financing contingencies and all this other stuff. So I realized early on that if I have a motivated seller that wants to sell, maybe the house needs a lot of repairs, maybe they're, they're in a bind, they need money fast, maybe they just don't really want to deal with the hassle of listing it, but they're not aware of other options. Yep. Convert that into a deal where you can actually buy the house or flip the house or wholesale it to another investor who's going to come in and pay cash. And, you know, the reality is a lot of those deals will actually make you more money as an agent who's becoming an investor than what the real estate commission would have to begin with. You know, so that's another piece of advice for agents wanting to get into it is utilize your network and your leads that are right in front of you to start converting some of those, you know, listing appointments or, 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 or traditional leads into investment deals. Yeah. My first deal, um, you know, for my agents that are listening, the, the deal that my brokerage was named after 13 Cameron Avenue, Somerville, went out to the property to go list it. Uh, so I said, not listing my house. I want an investor to buy it. And I, I'm sitting there arguing with her. I go, you're, you're going to lose money. And now she's a hoarder. She's like, I don't want people in my house. That's the most important thing to me. I go, yeah, but you know, you really have to just get these boxes out of here, dude. And she, she wasn't having it. So long story short, you know, she, she tells me what she wants. I want this price. That's it. And I don't want to, I don't want anything else. I want somebody, this, this is after four years of me saying, I'm going to invest in real estate. I'm like, you know what? I should buy this house. And I could, I could tell a million more stories like that of all the different reasons why people want to sell to investors. Most people don't, but for the ones who do, there's a reason it makes sense. Um, and it's like any, any other product, right? Like, I don't know what type of sneakers you wear. I don't know what type of car you drive, but if you like driving a, a modest vehicle, and I think that you should drive a BMW or Mercedes and I'm pushing that and I'm like, hey, you're crazy. Why don't you drive a, a nice car or the opposite? It's the same thing. It's like being able to have those other tools to be able to say, hey, here's one option for you to sell. Here's the pros and cons. Here's another option. Here's the pros and cons. It actually services the person better. Um, you're not trying to go into a house that's worth 400000 and say, hey, as an agent, I'm telling you, this house is only worth 200 right. and well, you should sell it to me for 200. That's not right. 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 You know, so, yeah. so people misunderstand that, but, but I mean, yeah, you've got a great story. I love it. Uh, so many good principles to kind of, you know, draw from. Um, and I know that you're, that you're super busy, but if people want to learn more about you in general, what's the best way they can find out more information on you? So I've got, I've got a Facebook profile, um, you know, J.R. Piper or Jared Ryan Piper uh, is my name. I've got an Instagram uh, uh, a profile. I post a lot of, you know, I post some real estate stuff. I post a lot of, I travel a ton. So I post a lot of travel photos and pictures of my dogs and just random stuff. Um, and they're welcome to shoot me a message on there. My, my Instagram handle is uh, pipedog84, which is P-I-P-E. D-A-W-G-8-4. So anyone's welcome to reach out. Cool. Well, JR, I appreciate you coming on. A lot of nuggets here and uh, I wish you the best and we'll be in touch. Likewise, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. And we'll be back next week again with another Asian Investor Podcast. Thank you for listening. 
Thanks for listening to Agent Investor, and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.